Courage. Courage is inspiring, isn't it? When we see it, we like it, it motivates us. When someone saves a life or their home or all their memories, or even if you can go back far enough, think about 9-11 when the first responders rushed into those two buildings to save people while everybody else was, was rushing out. You think about firemen and police officers and soldiers and people that risked their lives to save us. They're heroes, but they are saving people temporarily because the people that they save will ultimately die, right? God has called us into a rescue mission that is eternal. The people that we win, the people that come to Jesus through us, those folks are gonna live forever. So God has called us to be his, his 911, his, his team, his, his first responders. When he has a need, he sends us. When there are people that need him, he sends us. Would y'all agree with that? Yes. Okay, come on, every campus, would y'all agree with that? Come on, all right. So if we agree with that, why are we so filled with fear when it comes to sharing Jesus or inviting people to be a part of what God is doing? Why are we fearful of sharing about the greatest story and the greatest savior, the only real true savior who has ever lived? See, fearfulness is not what God called Christ's followers to be, is it? So, but, but, but Paul writes in his last letter in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, to his apprentice, this young man of God, this is what he says. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted in Jesus Christ for all eternity. He goes on and tells Timothy, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, discipline, and a sound mind. We are called to be fearless shares of the real story of Jesus to people around us. Would y'all agree with that? Yes. All right, so we agree with that. So when we realize that, that God wants us involved in his plan, it makes our lives exciting. It's thrilling to know that you are on a mission for God and with God to rescue people, to see them come to Jesus and be saved forever. Now Easter is coming. It's four and a half weeks away and our theme is follow the filling as we follow the and, and what's going to happen as you follow the filling is God is going to orient you. God is going to help you recognize and realize his opportunities all around you of people he wants you to bring this Easter. Does that make sense? Yes. So we've got to take the spiritual blinders off to the lostness all around us. God, we need a fresh move of you. God, we need to be filled with boldness. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you open our eyes to people all around us that are far from you? Would you unstop our ears to their cries, the hurting, the lonely, the broken, the downcast, the up and out, and the out and out? And God, would you enable us to see what you're doing and where and how you want us to plug in 
as we see our mission with you and for you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Come on, give God a praise. Come on, man, that's the will. Now, for many people that are far from God, Easter is really the only time of the year that they're gonna, they would consider visiting a church or accepting an invitation. Right now in America, 50% of all Americans in surveys say they are unopened, not available, would not receive an invitation from anyone to go to a church. It is, that, that percentage is consistently getting higher. We live in the South, it's a little better. And so people are, this is the time. So we've got to take full advantage and begin praying and preparing and pouring more into relationships with people that are far from God that are all around us because you're the only hope for heaven that they have. God put you where you are, where you go to school, where you work, where you live, where you play, where you travel, God put you there as his missionary. You say, I hate my job. I know, you don't see yourself as a missionary there. You say, I'm surrounded by people who are going to hell. Praise God. Hallelujah. They cuss, yes. They tell dirty jokes. I just, I just, I just feel dirty around them. It didn't make Jesus feel dirty. So come on, man, let's get... Let's, Let's, let's get out there. You're on mission. God put those people in your life because he wants you to share with them. Now, millennials and Generation Z right below millennials and all, stu- and all studies are bailing out of the church. Over half of them have never been in church and those that have are leaving. So understand, you can run into people all around that have never been in church and you are the only Bible that they are going to read. In fact, in a recent survey, only 2% of practicing Christians have ever invited anyone to church. Now, if only 2% have ever invited anyone, it's way less than that if they ever sit down and share the gospel, the good news with someone, and tell them how they could be saved. And so what are we so afraid of? Why are we not engaging in what God is up to? Why are we not participating? So about you, are you Fearless or are you fearful? Now, maybe, maybe you're here this week and, and, and you're wondering if God and the church is even a place where you can find meaning or significance. And some of you say, man, I just don't think, and I don't think it is. And if you grew up in the South, honestly, I don't blame some people for thinking they'll never find the answer in the church. Because if you grew up in the South, you grew up with such harsh legalism and meanness and judgmental and critical spirit and believe that that's what God is like. And you said, hey, I'm done with that. I'm so sorry that that was your experience. I really am. If that's you, we're thrilled you're here and we love you. And it's our prayer this weekend that you will have a spiritual experience that will give you the desires to take your next step and find out what you're truly looking for. Here at Faith Promise, we're about helping real people with real problems find the real love of God. Would y'all agree with that? We do it. And we we do it by helping people take their next step, whatever that may be. Now, if you've not been to our next steps experience, it's week four. And so week four is about, we're actually, I shot that video at Brushy Mountain. And so we're gonna go let those old cells open up 
we're going to learn how we can walk out of a prison of selfishness, are you with me, and selffulness into a life of larger life that God wants us to walk in. By the way, welcome to all of our campuses. We are super stoked that you're here. God by bars, come on. Campbell, uh, matter of fact, Campbell County, record attendance last week. Way to go, guys. Way to go. Now, if you have gone on spring break and you've come back, we hope you had a great time. If you were gone, listen, let me encourage you. I want to really, this is really important. I, I believe it's important as your pastor. When you're on vacation, take your computer, plug it in, and set your family in front of the big screen and do the online campus. Are you with me? Yeah. So ah, we're on vacation. Let me tell you what you're doing. You are teaching your children that faithfulness to the house of God, whether you are gone or here, matters. Yeah. And look at me, look at look, look up here, look up here, listen. We get your kids, if you come every weekend, 52 weeks a year, we get 52 hours with your kids. That's two days a year. You are the primary disciplers of your kids. Would y'all agree with that? Yes. Whose kids are they? Yours, we didn't have them. You did, and you'll stand accountable. So we wanna help people, does that make sense? We want to help them. Now, the next four weeks, we're gonna learn how to live out one of the most important values that we have, and that is we tell them of him. Those people have been radically rescued, radically rescue others. We tell everyone, our neighbors, our friends, our classmates, our coworkers, our teammates, and listen, God behind bars, your cellmate, the pod that you're in, wherever you're at, you get to tell them, I don't care what campus you're at, it is about sharing the transformative power of Jesus Christ to change people's lives. He desires to save the world and he wants to use you to do it. Do y'all believe that? Yes. The entire world, that's what God wants to do. That's what he's all about. And so that's what, that's what he's called us and so it's what he wants us to do. So what we've got to do is we've got to become fearless in sharing Jesus with those that are far from God. That's what he wants us to do. Now, question. Come on, if you're listening, say am. Is God love? Yes. Who believes that? Does God, listen, does God love your family and friends that are far from him? Yes. You're sure? Yes. He wants to use you to prove it. You're his amen. You're the proof to your family and friends that Jesus loves them. That's why some of his last words to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." This is not the great suggestion. This is the great co-mission. Now, as Jesus is giving that to his followers, let me ask you a question. Do you think that Jesus was talking to them only or us as well? Us. How many? Us. us, all right. Has Jesus transformed your life? Yes. Has he done anything this week or this month in your life to change your life? Yes. Come on, somebody. So. What if we made part of our gratefulness and our thankfulness sharing with others the incredible things that God is doing in our lives? 
What if we truly believe the same God that saved us would save them? What if we really ask God to give us the same anointing he gave Jesus, which Jesus quotes Isaiah in Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, proclaim freedom to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those that are oppressed and proclaim the favorable year of our Lord. We've got to be fearless to step into that ministry. You've got to be able to see them out there all around you. You've got to be able to care for those people that are there. You've got to be broken for those people that are all around you. You've got to be able to weep with those people that are desperately far from God. We've got to take our eyes off our problems, our pain, our stuff, our schedule, our dealing, are you with me, and get it onto the harvest. God, Jesus said, pray that God the Father would throw us into the harvest field. Is that right? So does Jesus want us to join him in this incredible ministry of reaching people that are far from him? So let me ask you the question again. If you're listening, say I am. What are we so afraid of? David said in Psalms chapter 34, verse four, he said this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my, all my what? And there were people that wanted to kill David every day. And he said, God, deliver me from my my fears. So I want you to understand, when we talk about this ministry of reaching people far from God, are you ready? It's the devil that injects fear into our lives. Let me tell you why. None of us in this room has a problem sharing good news. Matter of fact, all your good news now, it's online as soon as it happens. You get, matter of fact, we set the camera up to get the proposal. And as soon as they say, I do, everybody grabs their phone. We don't even kiss, man. We need to start putting it on Facebook, don't we? Come on. Graduation, it's a boy, it's a girl. I got a job, I got fired. Whoa, look at our lunch. <laughs> we can't wait. I was with Zach and I took him to a meeting with John Maxwell and, and Chris Hodges and some of the best kingdom leaders in America. And we had a break and I looked over and Zach had John Maxwell on one side and Chris Hodges on the other. And they were laying hands on him and they were praying the glory down. And man, I'm just weeping, watching, oh God, move, man, get him, do God. We get through, they get through, he walked through, I said, dad, dad, did you see this? Oh man, he said, did you get it on video? I said, video? He said, Dad, if it's not on Instagram, it didn't happen. <laughs> so now come on, do we have any problems sharing good news? No. No. See, you talk about what you think about, and you think about what you love. If you love Jesus, you're gonna be thinking about it. If you think about it, you'll be doing what? Talking about it. It's just a deal. It's what we're gonna do. I don't know why, but one of the reasons I believe that people think following Jesus is boring. And come on, just get out there and talk to people and go to church. Hey, what, what is it? What do you think about the Jesus life? It's boring. It's horrible. Can I tell you what they've never done? They've never joined Jesus in the great commission. They've never been a part about reaching people that are far from God and teach them to love and honor Jesus. 
Because when you begin to pour your life into winning people that are far from God, when you begin to train people to love the word of God and love the house of God and love the spirit of God, when you do that, life is thrilling. It's thrilling. Come on, somebody give him praise in the house. It's incredible. So over the next four weekends, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to challenge everyone to become fearless in who God wants you to bring, who he wants you to invite to Easter. But here's the problems that most of us face in in getting involved and connecting with this. Most of us feel a, a, a serious pressure to remain silent because it's never been considered more offensive in the American culture to share your faith about Jesus openly. Would you believe that? Would y'all agree with that? See, you're not supposed to talk about faith and beliefs. You can talk about anything else on the planet. You can have any cause and anything and you can get behind anything and push it and push it and push it. But we've allowed the media and the culture to set the narrative and they've said, shut up about Jesus. That's what they said. Listen, 47% of Christian millennial surveys said it is outright wrong to evangelize. It's wrong to try to bring someone into faith. Now, does that sound fearless or fearful? But listen, before we blame the next generation, understand the work of hell is happening to blind us to people that are far from God, to deafen our ears to the cries of the lost. I was in a refugee camp in, in uh, uh, El Salvador 20-something years ago, probably 25 years ago, and I was walking just down a railroad track and literally cardboard boxes people living in. And I was walking with an incredible friend of mine, Lee Hartwell, who's been down there forever, an old case-hardened Cajun from, from Gaedon, the duck capital of the world. And we're walking down, and he said, hold up, Chris. Hold up, son. You hear that? I said, what, what is it, Brother Lee? He said, listen, listen. And you can hear the cries of the lost who are clueless, dead in sins. Can you hear it? See, we've allowed the culture to stop up our ears who, to people that are hellbound. They have hardened our hearts. See, the same gospel, the good news has, about Jesus has been preached for 21 generations in every culture and every context. Is that right? And so there's something about the gospel that transcends cultural shifts. Because the prisons in China are full of people telling others about Jesus. In the Middle East, they're killing Christians on a daily basis. You just don't know about it because that's not the narrative the American media chairs to share cares to share. Last year, 5,000 believers were murdered simply because they were Christ followers. Are you with me? So there's something about sharing the gospel that transcends everything. We've got to be fear, we've got to be fearless. Would you agree agree with that? Now here's the deal. We have blamed millennials long enough. We boomers blame millennials for everything. Oh, they're entitled and they're this. And they don't go to church. No, 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 no. Are, are you with me? Is anybody with me? Yes. Come on. The problem, is, the problem is not millennials leaving the church. The problem is boomers and, Gen X and Gen, the silent generation who never discipled them. Yes. 
It's our, listen, it is our fault, not theirs. This is what we did. We reached them through kids' ministry, through student ministry, through student camps and evangelism. We reached them and we let the world teach them. And the Great Commission says, baptize them and teach them everything I've commanded you. Is that right? So see, we, we want to blame boomers that, man, look at the cultural shifts and I can't believe they're not standing up against this and I can't, who taught them to stand up? Nobody. So boomers and silent generation who are sitting around pointing at the young adults, which ones of those young adults are you pouring into? Which one of those young adult couples are you showing how to be married for 55 years? Which one of those young adult couples, uh, young adults are you sitting down with teaching them what this book really is? Which one are you sitting down with telling them how to love Jesus and how to share their faith? See, they're not gonna get it for me on a platform. They're gonna get it for you driving around and sitting at a coffee table or at a Starbucks teaching them how to do it. Does this make sense to anybody in the house? Come on, it's time we disciple them. Are millennials leaving the church? You better believe they are. It's not because we've over-challenged them. It's because we have under-challenged them. It's because, listen, we're looking at a generation that is, that is so cause-driven, it's ridiculous. They want to change the world, but they look at the church and say, the church is not about righteousness. It's about being a Republican. They say, it's not, it's about, it's not about transformation. It's about behavior modification. It's about being a church intender, not a Christ offerer. It's about being mundane, not about being missional. It's about spectators, not participators. It's a lifeless institution, not a life-giving inspiration. See, if they'd seen that in the church, they'd be packing the pews out every weekend. Don't you think about this. the millennial generation, the most passion, purpose-driven generation, and they are running away from the only institution ever created to change the world, and that's the church. Government was never done. Education was never for it. God birthed the church, and he said, I want you to change the world, and millennials have been to church, and they say, that's not what the church is about. The church is self-centered, selfish, just me and my four and no more. Come on, break out the high chairs and throw out some more pablum and let's bottle feed them on the way in and burp them on the way out. Mm, Didn't like that, did you? I got it. Man, come on. Let me tell you, millennials are leaving the church because they've never seen the Great Commission lived out. They've never seen people whose lives are wrapped around this book and making it hard to go to hell for their family and friends. They've not seen that. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. 21 centuries later, that church is still alive and well. Man, we gather together to get inspired to go out and change a world. Now, we're working now on just online content. Everybody says, hey, man, I don't need to go to church. I just get it online. Man, if you're online, we're thrilled you're with us. But if you live in Knoxville, get off your blessed assurance and get to a campus. So here's, man, a lot of us believe that if we actually share Jesus, we'd drive people away from us and even maybe drive them farther away from God. That's what, we, that's what we believe. That's what we think. So we surrender to our, to our fearfulness. 
and we surrender our beliefs and we don't stand up in public spaces, they can debate socialism, they can debate communism, they can debate Democrat, they can debate you know, politics, they can debate all this stuff, but who's standing in the public spaces for Jesus? So we compromise, we say, well, maybe they'll see it in me. Now, to be fair, it's never been harder, I don't think, in America to share your faith in his today. But that is no excuse. What's required today is that we build relationships with people that are far from God, right? So that we earn the right to tell them about Jesus. Then you can open up about your faith once they know you care about them. But too many of us who follow Jesus don't believe we have time to build relationships with people that are far from God. Is that right? Now, so let me ask you this. Well, that's not me. I don't know who he's talking to, but that's not me. Okay, here's the deal. Can you name five people that you're friends with that are far from God? You're friends with. Five people that you're praying for, that you're inviting. See, does that sound like Jesus? Isn't that what he did? Matter of fact, Jesus is called a friend of sinners. <laughs> when, when Jesus was called a friend of sinners, what is it, a compliment or was it a slam? It was a slam. And guess what? Listen, look up here. It's still a slam in church today. Have, have we not read the Gospels? Well, you can't hang out with lost people. You'll be just like them. You, can, you can't go over there and be with them. Man, you got, come on. It's horrible that still 21 centuries later, it's an accusation to say somebody that loves Jesus is a friend of sinners. That's what he wants us to do. Religious people ruin everything. According to a survey, Christians are the least likely faith group to have friends that are different from them. We just hang out with people who are just like us. We hang out. Come on. Matter of fact, we, we found in surveys that most people who call themselves Christians have inadequate skills to maintain a trusted place in public and speak, to, to dialogue about Jesus and the things of God, to help people consider faith in Jesus a viable option. That's what God wants us to do. So how do we become fearless? Are you ready to obey our commander in chief? Are you ready? Have greater purpose, greater passion. Let me give you three things. Number one, make talking about your faith and your relationship with Jesus a constant part of your story in your life. Make it natural that you talk about Jesus. Most of us either talk to people all the time about Jesus or never. Both of them are mistakes. Because if you always talk to your lost friend about Jesus, they know that they're a project and not a friend. That you're only there so you can convert them. And they know if you don't convert them soon that you're not going to be friends with anymore. Not love them because they're created in the image of God. Or some of us are afraid and never talk about it and miss the most important thing in life. Real friendships talk about things that are real. And there's not many things more real than the meaning of life and where you're going to spend eternity. So how do I talk about my faith naturally, organically? Just manage this in conversation. Are you with me? Just a great place to start. You just, you just talk about. In New Testament, in the New Testament, you know what the evangelist's strategy was? They just talked about what God was doing. Hey, you should have been in church this weekend. God killed two people at the offering. <laughs> it's the wildest thing I've ever seen. You should have been there last week. A blind dude saw you. You should have seen this lame guy walk. You should have seen this leper cleanse. Listen, last week, six Pharisees 
confess Jesus as Lord. It's incredible what God is doing. See, they were just talking about Jesus. And everybody in Jerusalem knew about Jesus. Did everybody love him? No, 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 no. Listen, I'd rather be hated than ignored. They used to hate us. Now we're irrelevant. I want a voice back in the culture for Jesus. Number two, set up at intentional times to connect with people that are far from God. Just go, go ahead, missional moments. Just, just get out there, making people, a, making people a priority. I joined a steak club. There are two things I love to do. Eat steak, talk to people about Jesus. I can do the same thing, in one, two things in one place. I believe I can hear the Lord say, join that steak club, and I did. <laughs> but you guys, most of, them, you know, most of them don't go to church. Man, I'm just in there eating steak, talking, just hanging out. I love it. Most of us are not around people that are far from God. Missional moments, just man, get out there. Routine, get out there and talk to people. There's really no such thing as too busy because every day you're talking to people. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go therefore or literally as you are going, make disciples. When you're going to work, when you're going to vacation, when you're going to the ball field. My greatest, Michelle and, our, and my, our greatest mission field was a, was a football field and a rugby field. There were dozens of families that came to Faith Promise because we sit on the sidelines while our kids practice and got to chat about Jesus. As you are going, it's a command, church, not a suggestion. So uh, you with your friends, your coworkers, all those folks, man, just spend time with them. Come on. Without a building, without a budget, without a staff, Man, Jesus changed the world. He trained 500 people, 11 he, he really did, he really focused in on. Number three, are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Amen. Don't just invite people, but involve them in your life. They are not a project, they are a person. They have value and worth to God, that means they have value and worth with us. Real people, real problems, the real love of God. So man, just, if you missed our series near the end of the year last year on about won't you be my neighbor, go back and check it out. Man, just helping people. Or, or maybe you hear a coworker, friendly family member talk about their kid's sick or their marriage is struggling or they're broke. Say, what, what was that? Well, my son is sick. What's wrong? We don't know. Hey, I'm gonna be praying for your son. What's his name? What's little Bill? About three days later, you text your friend, hey, I've been praying for Bill every day. I bet he's better. Boom, you brought faith into the conversation. Was that hard? Was that hard? Do you believe God can heal little Billy so that you'll get to win little Billy's family to Jesus? Oh yeah, you just say, oh man, thank God. I knew he was gonna be better. My God is the healer. Come on, yeah, come on. So that's the deal. We've gotta know that we care. I mean, Michelle and I were looking for a new field and we joined a CrossFit box. The owner goes here. I've talked about it before. We're always looking for places we can go meet people. And so we go, we meet everybody in there. We become friends with everybody in there. And after six months of just being normal people, and we're really normal people. <laughs> really normal people. I mean, I was so mad the other day. I, could, I can't do double unders with your jump rope, you know what I'm talking about? Where you jump up and go two times, why you would do it twice. I don't have any idea, but they do it twice. Well, I can't do it. I can barely do one, because when I was a boy, I didn't jump rope. That's what girls did. So I still can't jump rope, but one, two, three, boom. One, two, three, boom. One, two, three, boom. I wadded my rope up and tossed it across the room at the wall. Rather 
vigorously. <laughs> One of the members of our small group who now comes here and his wife, his kids, he picks the rope up, he wraps it up, walks over and says, come on, pastor, don't let that rope win. You own that rope. Oh, man, tons of families are coming. Why? Because we're just chatting about Jesus. Does this all make sense? So you want to be fearless? Who wants to be fearless? Come on. Who wants to be fearless? God, we pray. Father, we pray that we would be fearless, full of love, full of passion, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom that we'll pray for and share and love and care and invite and earn the right to share you with people that are far from you. God, I pray this four weeks transforms faith promise into an army of people out there about your purpose, your passion, and your business. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Now, you got, listen, before you can tell others about him, you got to know him. So maybe you don't have a relationship with him. And if you're ready to sell your life out to him, not a, not a religion, not I'm going to check the box off, but if you're ready to truly sell out to Jesus, then he's ready to enter into a relationship with you. And then you get to do, then you get the greatest purpose and passion on earth. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're ready for Jesus, pray this simple prayer with us. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I will live for you. I will follow you. I will do your will. Now, with nobody look around. If you prayed that simple prayer, come on, just lift your hands up. Hey, Pastor, gotcha, gotcha. Just lift it up, gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Gotcha. Okay, put him down. Look up here. I'm way over time, so we got to think really quickly. If you prayed that prayer, you just lift your hand. Take the communication card in front of you online. Click right there or go to the chat room and fill the top part out. Check the circle. I made a decision to follow Jesus. Second circle, I'd like to be baptized. And the third circle is for our next steps. Again, this is week four. There will not be next steps next weekend because it is the fifth Sunday. Happens four times a year. But so you can, if you're at Pellissippi, you can go to the 615 next steps, or you could stick around, you go to 1130, just stick around or hang out and go to any of those two at Pellissippi, all of our other campuses, 1130 service. And then you're gonna find out. It's gonna just be an incredible next step. Now, as we get ready to give, can I tell you, Faith Promise was founded on the sermon I just gave you. That's the reason this church exists, for us to reach people far from God. Do y'all believe that? We have held true to that vision for 23 years in a month, 24 years in a month. And so let, let me tell you, in those 23 years in one month, this year we'll baptize our seven thousandth soul who's gone from death to life because of your generosity, because of your faithful giving. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give our offerings to God. You give to God through his church. You do not give to me, you give to him. And some of you will give for the first time and others, you have been giving your heart out to Jesus for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Thank God for your faithfulness. And because of that, 7,000 people who were hell-bound are heaven-bound. And that, folks, is our mission. So put the cards in the buckets and the offerings. Some have given online. 
guests after this service should go through the center doors and uh, there'll be people there for you. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you will move. I pray you'll bless this offering in a supernatural way. God bless the gift and the giver and use us, mighty God, to reach people far from you that you love and care for in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give God a shout as we get the privilege of giving.